Hello, welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast. Along the way, there'll always be games and jokes, but mainly this is serious history. Well, as serious as me and Gribbing get. Hello, welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast. Still too long. Yeah, still too long. Uh, episode, whatever it is, nine, ten? Ten. Ten. Lovely. Our tenth episode. This is significant. A celebration. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to follow the usual format. We're uh, focusing today on Herald the Wake uh, from the Norman's paper, so paper two. And we're going to do a little uh, brief summary of the topic. We're then going to play a game of Two Truths, One Lie, where Gribbin tries to fool Howarth. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of technique and a walking talking mock to give you an example of an answer and then show you where else you can go for bits and pieces on Herod the Wake or the Normans in general. It's going to be woke. <laughs> Herod the Wake. Rebellions against uh, William. So the English weren't very happy that William had become king. He was French. Uh, <laughs> and... And he was fairly violent after he became ruler of England, which didn't really win people over. It sort of scared them into submission a little bit, but didn't convince them that he was their rightful king. Yeah, it kind of fits into a sequence of Anglo-Saxon resistance, doesn't he? He goes over to Normandy in 1067, obviously must have felt secure enough to do that. But over the course of 1068, you've got the revolt of Edwin and Morcar. Then you've got Egg the Athlin popping back up with some rebellions in the north in 1069, before Harewood the Wake becomes an issue in 1070. Yeah, and this is in the marshy Fenlands of East Anglia in a small town called Ely. I think it's Ely, yeah. yeah. Near Peterborough. Um, and the Danes also play a part in this rebellion. So in spring 1070, King Swain brings a fresh fleet to England, threatening an invasion. Ooh. The fleet was based around Ely, uh, which today is many, many miles inland, but was then a large island surrounded by water and marshland, so really difficult to attack. Uh, the Isle of Ely became the centre for a number of English rebels, but the man who emerged as their leader was Hereward. Uh, he proved an effective resistance leader, but could never have won support as King of England. No, he's not got that. Well, you didn't need to be related to the old kings at this period, but he certainly didn't have the credentials to be picked by the Witten. No, he was a bit of a sort of crazy rebel that just liked to kick off. He was. I seem to recall something about heads being put above the door of his house that, to replace the ones that the Normans had put near his house. He, he seems a bit brutal. Yeah, he was actually sort of outlawed by royal decree by Edward the Confessor as well. So Ooh, a crime of punishment. There you go. Uh, so he wasn't your so sort of mainstream uh, candidate. Hence why he comes back, because he's an outlaw. But then new king. Uh, new opportunities. Oh, that's something that's just made sense to me. Yeah, he couldn't resist the opportunity when William became king to come back and kick off again. He couldn't resist, but he did. <laughs> he did. He resist. did. Oh. <laughs> um, so... There's very little that's known with any certainty about Hereward. Um, some people say he might have been a thane in the area around Ely and Peterborough who lost his lands. Um, but his most dramatic early act was to lead an attack on Peterborough Abbey, whose abbot had been replaced by a Norman called Turold. Hereward, probably with Danish allies, seized the abbey's treasure of gold, silver and jewelled ornaments and took it back to the Isle of Ely. Um, he then held the isle for over a year. At first, William relied on his men in the area to deal with the rebels, but they could not overcome the problems posed by the marshland and water defence. Therefore, the rebels attracted more support, increasing their threat. Now, the 
One of the issues is he gains support from the English, but William manages to bribe the Danes to leave, doesn't he? Yeah. So you've got this switch. Although he seems to keep his numbers, he loses some of the um, experience. Yeah, more experienced fighters, battle-weary battle, battle weary Vikings, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, in 1071, Morcar joins the rebels. Although He always pops up, doesn't he, Morcar? Yeah, he's a troublemaker. Uh, he is indeed. Um, although Edwin... Uh, was murdered at this time, so he doesn't yeah, go. He's not going to be involved in that one. Um, another danger for William was that it was easy for the Danes to sail up around local rivers and along the coast to raid and perhaps trigger other rebellions. And also, English exiles could easily travel by sea to Ely. So it's a key position. It's slightly concerning for William because they're growing in numbers and, well, they're basically holding the island. Mm-hmm. So how does William overcome that? Uh, well, it takes a couple of attempts. Oh, that is good resilience. That, that's Dallin, that. <laughs> um, William decides he's got to deal with a rebellion himself. Uh, the Danes are most easily dealt with because they're interested in enriching themselves, not helping the English. They don't really care about supporting a, an English rebellion. They do care about money. So he sent messengers to King Swain, offering him money if the Danes go home. It works. Uh, they sail home with William's money and the treasures from Peterborough Abbey that had been left in their ships. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, so they double-cross Hereward, mm. basically. Um, William then surrounds the Isle of Ely uh, and orders his men to build a causeway to cross the marshland using Bridge. wood, stone... Bridge makes sense. Yeah, to get across. Uh, but they use wood, stone, trees and even inflated cow hides. Uh, hoping... Footballs. They use footballs <laughs> to try and cross. Well, they need it to float. I suppose. Yeah, uh, you use what's there. Uh, they, he hoped that his knights could ride across this bridge. However, at their first attempt, the bridge collapses under the weight and the men in chainmail and horses sank into the marsh and drowned. I am picturing it's having those CBeebies programs where the kids have to go across the inflatables, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? They're kind of bouncing along and the bridge is just collapsing. Yeah, uh, a bit like Takeshi's castle. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but a fairly, fairly uh, disastrous first attempt there. So, I'm presuming he doesn't try the same thing again. Uh, no. Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> he makes a second bridge, uh, but this time he makes it by tying small boats together and covering them with wooden planks, which proves much stronger and his cavalry cross onto Ely. Uh, in the chaos of the fighting, Harold probably escaped as there's no definitive evidence about his fate. Morcar surrendered again and was imprisoned for life. What happens to the rest of the rebels? Uh, hands or feet cut off, others have their eyes put out. William's warning to anyone else considering rebellion. So standard William behaviour when yeah. treating a rebellion. It's it's firm punishment. It's, yeah. Again, crime and punishment. Well, you can't rebel again if you've got no hands or feet or eyes. Not effectively. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do the bit about the we didn't do the bit about the woman in the castle that shows a bum. We didn't. What about the woman in the castle that shows a bum? Well, William enlists the help of a witch <laughs> to try and um I don't know. Un Plan the... I think it's to unnerve the English, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone believes in witchcraft in this time period. Therefore, God will be on your side and will help you use sorcery to defeat the bad people, I guess. Yeah. Was his thinking? So he puts a witch up a tower, like a big scaffold, so that they can see it from the Isle of Ely. And the witch moonies the, uh, the English on the Isle of Ely. But it's okay, because the English are like, you may have magic, but we have fire. And they just set fire to the wooden tower, so that she probably burns to death. So the witch was a bad plan. Another bad plan. Yeah. So, actually, he had two bad plans before the bridge that worked. Yeah. I feel bad for her. Yeah, she was a witch. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two truths, one lie. Okay, time for two truths. Two truths? Two truths. <laughs> two truths and one lie with Harold and Grimmin. Again, fantastic jingle. I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. Thank you. So it's my turn this week to give two truths and one lie. Howarth has got to try and work out which one is the lie. I'm ready. Okay. So. Am I allowed a book in front of me like you did in the last episode? Yeah, you can have that book in front of you. That's fine. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> it's not going to help you. Um, okay. Fact number one. Hereward was the son of an Anglo-Saxon nobleman, Earl Leofric. This nobleman, so the story goes, was married to Lady Godiva, who rode naked through the streets of Coventry to make her husband lower taxes. That's one way of getting the money sorted out. <laughs> Sajid Javid, beware, they're coming. Okay, fact number two. As a result of his long guerrilla campaign, and by avoiding the attentions of, the, of William's soldiers, he earned the popular title, The Wake, meaning The Watchful. Ah, I hope that's true. And then fact number three... Uh, Herod was actually an ethnic Dane, and that is why he was so intensely anti-Norman, uh, probably even more so than many Anglo-Saxons. Oh, I, I feel too is definitely true. I'm going to say, I think Lady Godiva was earlier than that. I'm going to say one was the lie. Well, actually, one is the lie not because of Lady Godiva. Ah. Well, actually, yeah, it is. Because he wasn't an Anglo-Saxon. He was a Dane. Right. And that makes sense as to why he was so anti-William. Yeah. Cool. There you go. So he is a hero of the English, but not English. Yeah, this article here says he's one of history's greatest Englishmen, but he's not actually English at all. I like that. Hmm. In our multicultural, European-friendly Britain, actually, we, we're looking for help and assistance from everyone. Just in case you haven't realised, we're recording this on Brexit Day. <laughs> <laughs> It's technique time. We're going to have a look at the two features question, the gift of this paper. Yeah, only four marks. You basically have to name two features and then give a little bit of a description of them. Should only take you four minutes, four sentences. It's four marks. It's yeah. all about the four. Win some time back. It doesn't take four minutes to write two features. I mean, last year they had the gift. Year 11's this year. You're not going to get it as easy as name two features of a castle. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, something like this could come up. You could get something about name two features of rebellions against William. Mm. So your first uh, thing that you would do when approaching this question is, the I think the paper has a... Does it have a little yeah, structure like on it? Feature one. Yeah. And then there's a gap. Yeah. Feature, feature two. And a gap. So you don't even have to write one feature of... You just have to write. I'd go for something like uh, it tended to involve support from the Danes. Ooh. The Danes were looking to um, raid the English coast and were happy to support rebellions as a way of gaining finances. One feature and explained. And your second feature might be um, William's treatment of rebellions was typically very harsh. For example, at the Herowood the Wake of the Re Rebellion at Ely, um, he chopped the hands and feet off of any rebels that were left standing. And you don't. Doesn't take long. There we go. Well, where to go next if you want to learn more about Normans, rebellions against the Normans or Herald the Wake? There's the TV series, The Normans. We've watched bits of it in class. The second episode, I think it is, 
maybe the third one, goes into what William did to consolidate his power perfectly. Yeah, the presenter's super intense as well and he gets like really into the Normans. It does, it makes the hair stand up on my arms. Mm. Um, there's also a 1960s feature-length film based on Harold the Wake, although at the end uh, it does... Oh, actually, spoilers? Nah, go for it. He gets his head chopped off, oh. uh, which is technically... Could be historically accurate, but nobody really knows what happened to Harrowood, so it might be historically inaccurate. I like to think that he got away, went back to Denmark, and I don't know, what do Danish people do? Eat pickled fish? Yeah, for the rest of his days. Mm. <laughs> Anywhere else we can get stuff? Obviously, you've got your revision guide. Quite a small one for Norman England. Doesn't take you long to get through. Plenty of activities in there, too, if you want to have a look at them. Um, and, yeah. That's about it, really. That's all you will need. Yeah. Yeah. Anything for the kids yet? No jokes yet. Come on, Come children. On. We want funny jokes that we haven't had to find. <laughs> we have, however, found some good <laughs> jokes for you today about the Normans. So, Mr. Howarth, would you like to start us off? What did Harold say when he was hit by an arrow? I don't know. What did Harold say when he was hit by an arrow? I'm all a quiver. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, what phrase in battle did William hate? What phrase in battle did William of Normandy hate? Fire at will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did the Normans win? I don't know, why did the Normans win? They were better at aerodynamics. <laughs> That's poor. Yeah. Have you got that one? <laughs> uh, yeah, what happened to deposed kings? What happened to Depose Kings? They get thrown away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for listening. It's goodbye from her. Goodbye from him. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>